The pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Draft Rugby Podcast, where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. You can find the website at draftrugby.com and get after us on the socials at Draft Rugby. Well, we're back. I'm your host, Kargi, and I've got uh, Nelson and Harry joining me here tonight. Uh, Harry on his 49.5 fifth uh, <laughs> podcast. Oh, please. Not with us in person. So, yeah, uh, surely it doesn't count. He really wants to celebrate the Big 50, but um, look, I don't know if it counts, so we'll have to get back to him with that. Um, <laughs> And Nelson and I are rapidly gaining upon him because um, it's only, he's, he's getting half podcaps now. So yeah, it's, um, as, you know, as count. Shouldn't be too long. But, uh, but anyway, um, and, uh, without further ado, we've been holding our guest up long enough. Um, we have a special guest joining us tonight. Um, we have Squidge Rugby from the UK. Um, and I'm just going to add him to our Skype call. And hopefully our technical difficulties end here and we just get him in on the call. So uh, let's see how we go. And ringing. Squidge Rugby, thank Hello. you. Us. Hello, no, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. How are we doing? We're doing fantastic. Thank you for putting up with our uh, extended technical delays. Um, <laughs> just like I'm being really far away and just uh, really behind here in Australia. Yeah, um, and half of Australia is on fire. Surely we can use that. <laughs> yeah, as well, that was that was of course God's doing for firing for Lau for the settlement. As all part <laughs> <of that>. <laughs> <laughs> Strong start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Couldn't even let have 30 seconds before I brought him up. <laughs> Leave it now, I'll park that. <laughs> so we, we edited last week our, um, our pod's intro music because uh, we had yeah. to re- re- remove his reference from it. So, um, yeah, for, for an entire week, we had a rule no talking about for now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've lasted 30 seconds. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't, we didn't give Squidge the rule. So, yeah, I, <laughs> but, um, from this anyway. moment on. No, it'd be quite nice to not have to talk about him. That's I true. hope this settlement means that's it done. That's us. We can just move on and never think about that guy again. That's, you can just fade that's into the idea. That's true. Um, yeah. But anyway, look, thank you so much for joining us uh, in a nice early morning um, over in yes. the UK. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, by way of introduction for our listeners, Squidge Rugby, if you haven't heard of him, um, he is a, a very up-and-coming rugby YouTuber. Um, he's now got almost 110,000 subscribers on YouTube, so uh, almost as many listeners as we have to our pod, just uh, just narrowly. <laughs> no, that's 109,000. Oh, not sorry, 109 in total. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but no, definitely go check out his YouTube channel, which is Squidge Rugby, uh, S-Q-U-I-D-G-E, which we'll have to um, ask him for the origin of, uh, of said name, but... Um, uh, and also, uh, you can get after him on uh, Patreon. Uh, Patreon, yeah, Patreon. I don't know, on um, uh, at the forty. Call whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that's just Patreon.com/slash/SquidgeRugby, uh, <laughs> and on Twitter and all the other socials, Squidge Rugby, pretty consistent yeah. throughout that. So, <laughs> I guess we're welcome. And why don't we start with what is Squidge Rugby? What's Squidge? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's something my dad used to call me as a kid. Um, he would just call me Squidge. Um, I had someone else said to me that their dad, you know, as a, a, a fellow Welsh dad, called them Squidge as well. So apparently, it, it, maybe it's just a term meaning small thing. I, I don't entirely know. Sort of squishy small thing, uh, which I suppose I was as a as a wee bab. Um, and it sort of stuck a bit. Um, and I used it a bit when I was 
in that age, about 14, 15, coming up with online usernames and so on. Um, and it sort of stuck. It sort of worked. I liked it. I like it as a word. Um, and it felt it felt more different in individual. And there's a lot of like blogs and YouTube channels and so on out there called like 22 dropout rugby or, you know, just some bit of terminology. And it felt different to doing that. So I went for just something that's hopefully more memorable than, because I mix all of those channels up. I mix all of the, the 22, the whatever's the, the, yeah. Um, it's still early here. That's, that was as cozy of a sense as I can get out yet. No, that's good, mate. Look, I mean, us in Australia here, I mean, we'd heard you previously, but it was really the, the analysis you were doing over the Rugby World Cup. Um, just, it really was very, very insightful. And having uh, having their coach, Warren Gatlin, coming across, and I mean, he's been there for, what, 12 years yeah. now? Forever. So, yeah, for forever. Yeah. So him coming back to Super Rugby and uh, a lot of our managers and, and listeners just going to definitely be keen to hear your insights on, on how he may affect their players and in their structure of rugby so uh it's awesome to have you on board mate so oh, cheers lovely to be here or not quite be here but be here virtually you don't want to be here at the moment mate. it's, all, <laughs> it's all on fire yeah mate we're all over the shop as well i mean harry's about three uh, what five hours north of uh, where we, we are in sydney um right and uh, I mean, I guess sorry. Actually, I've, I've been a bit rude. I haven't introduced us to, uh, to you as well. My name, my name's Kagi, and sitting with me is Nelson. Um, and joining us up from Port Macquarie, uh, where he just wanted to get as close to the fires and test the self <laughs> of Australia, um, is Harry, who's joining us. So, Harry, are you there? Yeah, man, I'm here. Thanks for thanks for the delayed intro. I uh, <laughs> I, I, I drove through some extensive fires. I've literally uh, just wow. turned up at the house, and it is still here, which is good. <laughs> yeah, you are. If you, if you get a chance, Squidge, actually, if you Google um, Australia on fire, there's like satellite footage where uh, you could see just like the smoke of the entire eastern side of Australia from space. It's just huge. Like, uh, wow. Saying, yeah. Like standing outside, like smoking 34 cigarettes a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully well, that goes. Seen... I've just seen bits on the news, you know, which it looks awful, but like the most of the news coverage here is about the fact that the UK is metaphorically on fire, but yeah. you know, you, you've beaten us <laughs> by being literally on fire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, look, well, thanks for giving us the origin of Squidge Rugby. It's also, you've, you've done well with a, a name um, in that I, I'm imagining you can get the domain and you can get the YouTube channel and you can get everything. <laughs> You've, uh, you've nailed on that front, which is very good. So. Yeah, yeah. There's not that many other people starting squidge rugby, uh, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, no. I remember we... actually when I st- when I started the thing, when I went to name it, when I came up with the name, I went and made the YouTube channel, even though I didn't put the first video up for about a month after that. Um, but I did think like someone else might register this, and looking back, like who was registering that? <laughs> who was starting squidge rugby? And why was I so paranoid to get hold of that YouTube name? Anyway, sorry, yeah, um, you're about to continue. Go on, sorry. And I mean, all, all great, um, all great rugby-related names are always something than rugby, like squidge rugby, giraffe rugby. <laughs> oh, <you know>? nice, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to be fair, there could be some young Welsh analyst absolutely kicking himself that you beat him to it with his hun- with your hundred and nine thousand followers. He's got a hundred and nine because he didn't quite bag the name. <laughs> that could be it. It's a hundred percent in the brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, we'll, we'll kick it off with the first question, mate. Um, so obviously you've an, an, analysed Warren Gatlin's teams a mm. lot um, over the last sort of few years. So what we were wondering really is, is his features going to sh- 
come across and transfer well into Super Rugby? And uh, potentially, what features do you think that could be, seeing as Super Rugby is a bit more of a running game, a little different yeah. than what you'd normally see a lot of the time in, I suppose, Northern Hemisphere Rugby? Um, so, yeah, how do you think you'll transfer? Um, I think, actually, the people have an idea of how a Warren Gatlin team plays, and I think it's actually not as definitive as that is necessarily uh, the, what people think of as Warren ball, which like if you ever see Gatlin asked about it, he always asks people for a definition and claims he has no idea what Warren ball is. Um, but I, cause I don't think the, the structure people talk about is just, just playing like Jamie Roberts up the middle and then working it out to the wing using forward carriers and so on. Wales basically did that up until about 2012. And since then have sort of twisted and adapted and it's still been very much built around big carriers. Um, yep. But it's not been quite in the same way. And he is far more changeable, I think, than people give him credit for. And I think the Chiefs will probably play quite a different style to how Wales have played. They'll still probably be built on getting over the game line. That is the core thing that runs throughout all Gatland teams, from him being in charge of Ireland in the early noughties through to Wasps and then Wales. Like The, the main thing is just getting over the game line. And then what happens then, how they go about it, changes. Um, so if you look at like the 2008 when he first took over Wales... Uh, he played Gavin Henson at 12 and James Hook at 10, who are not, you know, they're not Jamie Roberts. They're not that big, bashy ball carrier, but they still, they so they were slightly smart and they changed the ways they tried to get over that game line. And then once they got going forward, they, you know, chucked about a bit more. And a lot of it was about trying to get Shane Williams into space and trying to get him opposite props and so on in midfield or players like Hook and Henson and so on. <laughs> and so I think that's the sort of thing we might be seeing is we'll be seeing... Uh, him just finding ways to get teams going forward and then from there building on a more attacking game, however that might be. So yeah. rather than rather than the uh, the conventional Warren Ball, much more analysing the players that he has and yeah. trying to find a way, maybe in a, in a typical way of using big bodies to get some ad line, but really trying to actually, uh, I guess, magnify how they can use their most talented players, like in this case, let's say a, a Damian McKenzie or an Aaron Cruden. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'd expect to see probably a lot being built around trying to get you know, tight five forwards playing op- opposite the likes of McKenzie and so on. Like, that's the sort of thing I'd be expecting them to see is just trying to twist the defensive sh- shape out, uh, defensive line out of shape and so on. Uh, that's the thing I think is we'll probably be looking at. And there is also like just, I've mentioned Jamie Roberts a couple of times, but like he was a fullback until or fullback who played on the wing as well. So he won his first three caps on the wing and fullback until. Warren Gatlin went, this bloke's massive. Why don't we play him at 12? And then moved him in. So there is something in it. It might be that he notices something that other coaches haven't about a player and can then change that about. Or it might be that he does something slightly different because he, he looks... Part of what makes him so good is he, he understands rugby uh, or he sees things that a lot of coaches that seem to miss. A lot of coaches that approach things in a more traditional way. And then he tries to find... He applies like his own logic to it. And he clearly he trusts his own instincts almost just entirely yeah and i mean that you can see that confidence in his teams and i mean the fact that mm. he, he's had a few styles recently that i mean he'll deploy against the aussies and he'll deploy a different game style against yeah. uh, in the finals and i think you you analyze that that pretty well in, in some of your sure. videos um one interesting thing about uh another thing you said was you said he talks about his lego pieces and as, as an <laughs> international coach and I, I loved it to yeah be as as a um, international coach, you've got to find the pieces that you've got and sort of shape them the way way you like it in a way. But yeah. you, 
said a lot more elegantly than that. But um, the, the thing I suppose he's not going to have a shortage of is, is Lego pieces in New Zealand. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of new guys and some pretty big-name guys, Naholo's brother and a few lightning quick and, and strong attackers. Do you, do you think we're probably more likely in his first year to see him give these guys chances? Or do you think he's going to sort of go with more of the, the established names or he's going to share that time around with those players? Oh, I reckon so. He's always been someone that's quite happy to throw a young player in. Um, and if he sees something raw in someone, he's... It sounds like the most obvious thing in the world to say he's very good at coaching players to become better players, because that's literally his job. But he is... like. There's a lot of cases of him pulling someone who you saw playing for the Dragons on a Friday night. You're like, well, he was fine, but he wasn't anything special. And he's turned them into a, like, a proper international player, the likes of uh, Corey Hill most recently, I suppose Josh Navidi to some degree. Um... Then beyond, you know, Lloyd Burns, Andrew Coombs going back years, who players who looked fine, and he's then actually when he's got the hands on them, they've improved massively. Um, and I reckon there's a few of the players in that chief squad, as you say, like both younger players and players who perhaps have been floating about a bit and haven't quite broken through yet. That actually, I can see him doing really good things with. I can see him really. Um, kicking on and I think so you know someone like Sean Stevenson who he obviously called had play for the Barbars with him last week I'd be really excited about seeing how he can make space for a player like that um and seeing what he does with a few players along those lines but I'd say it probably will be a lot of players that know each other uh when he first his first game in charge away was he picked 13 players from the Ospreys just because they played together and he wanted that familiarity <laughs> um because you know if you're coming in as a new coach you can't then be putting players that don't know each other in together he just he made sure they were completely cohesive so it may be that he starts like that and over the course of the season he builds towards it being slightly different for sure uh I, really interesting to hear you say that especially with he had he with him having his first press comp conference um i think yesterday third day in the job and the very first message that he put out there was very much the fact that he didn't feel he owed any loyalty to the all blacks players and that every single player was going to have to earn their spot and he you know he obviously was very quick to put out very early on in his career with the chiefs that uh he's not going to be afraid to put people in and give them a chance if he thinks they deserve it mm. Mm. which i think would be really interesting i and he's always been that kind of coach you know he's always rewarded the kind of player that's come in and done good things you know there's there's enough examples throughout this time of wales where you know a player who normally would be one of the first names on the team sheet has been injured someone else has come in and taken the shirt from them and remained in you sort of during the world cup most recently aaron wainwright came in when moriarty was you know had a knock and has kept the shirt since and started those semi-finals over him in the quarterfinals yeah yeah spot on no that's that's really interesting that's exactly the type of um information that our fantasy managers are going to be interested in so the, the Chiefs yeah. are not a very exciting team and um, for, mm. particularly they score loads of fantasy points uh, they might not even win the game sometimes but they'll, they'll outscore the other team yeah. and just, just run the ball at all costs um, and particularly like talking about uh, there was certainly a concern about whether new players will be used or not so I mean last year um, they brought in I'm not sure if you know but uh, Etene Nanai Satura who's a 19 year old uh, sevens player and they brought him in yeah, uh, and he was absolutely tearing it up on the wing, you know. Um, so I guess uh, there were some people thinking with Warren coming in that being a bit more of a conservative head that, uh, you know, maybe that would mean he, he would be playing a bit more safe. But, um, I mean, I think, also, you know, stepping down for being an international coach to uh, to a super rugby team, um, I kind of feel like it's his license to do whatever he wants, like to reinvent yeah. himself. 
know. Um, I mean, I think uh, the, the guy looks like he, he's been coaching Wales. Uh, he's been playing mm. Northern Hemisphere rugby. He, he looks like he's been falling asleep and just getting older and older for 12 years. Um, so <laughs> I think he's looking for that midlife crisis. He's going out buying convertibles, <laughs> is what he's doing. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so I, I think it's been very interesting. But um, I, I was also just going to say <clears throat> on your point uh, about it sounds obvious just talking about he's good at picking players and coaching them. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say, look, we're Australians. We just watch uh, – we don't know how to <laughs> – coach anyone apparently so we just watch, uh, <laughs> watch our players go across to New Zealand or overseas and then just get amazing and uh, yeah and it's uh, so we completely know what you're talking about but um, yeah it's going to be very interesting to see to see how Warren gets on but um, mm. do you think um, I guess on to one of our next questions it um, I'm not sure he's been playing a lot in France but um, it's gonna be very interesting to see how Aaron Cruden slots back in um, mm. he's gonna be kind of leadership figure in this Chiefs team um, have you seen much of him in the Northern Hemisphere? And um, and I guess I know he's had a very injury riddled um, few seasons. Yeah. Up, but um, is there what can we ex- expect? I guess if so, from from Aaron. I I mean I I've always rated Aaron Cruden really highly. I think he's great. He's had a he's been a really mixed bag of Montpellier. Um, he's had some games where he's just been completely anonymous. Some games where he's just he's taken risks that when none of the teams come off. But I think part of that is just not having players who are entirely on his wavelength, having players who aren't entirely reading what he's doing in a way that, like, you look at Finn Russell at Racing at the moment. Part of the reason people talk about how well he's playing uh, this last season since he came back from the World Cup is because every player is reading and somehow expecting what he's doing. And a lot of the time, Cruden had backs who were expecting to take a safer option or to take something different, and it wasn't quite working for him. And so I think perhaps... Even though, as I say, he's been a bit of a mixed bag, he's not been like Lima Sopawang, it just hasn't worked at Wasps. That hasn't gone very well on the whole. Like maybe 90% of the time, he hasn't quite worked as they hoped. Cruden's been a bit more 50 50. But I think slotting him back in with the likes of Leonard Brown, who is just very good at reading the play around him, and with, you know, the rest of that, um, rest of that Chiefs team, and hopefully, as you say, with, with Gatland, who is good at just working out what he wants from each fly half. Um, hopefully I'd think he should look a bit more like it because I think even when he wasn't playing well, he was doing interesting things. It wasn't like he just completely just sort of uh, froze up or became a different player. Um, it just, he didn't quite fit the team he was playing. And I think at times Cruden. So yeah, I'll be really interested to see him back. Um, he is older than he was. What was it? Four years ago now when he left. Um, and he isn't, he isn't quite there as well. But I can see him being certainly very solid. And they've got Mackenzie there as another option. Um, I suppose he can, yeah, shift to 15 as well. But yeah, I'd be interested to see it. I'd be cautiously optimistic about how he's going to go. True. We're, we're, all, we're all keen to see Damien McKenzie just go straight back to, to fullback. Uh, he's, <laughs> yeah. he, he was, I think, uh, for three years in a row, the top fantasy scorer in Super Rugby. Uh, oh, nice. I mean, he the meters, the run meters he would make, the line breaks, everything, just absolutely crazy. So, um just tore it up. Despite him wanting to play, uh, to play fly half, um, we actually think he just wants to. He just wants to prove that he's better than Bowden Barrett. So you know, <laughs> Bowden moved to fullback. He's like, fine, I'll go back to fullback now. That's fine. Um, you know, <laughs> he, he has actually every position. He has Bowden ends up his... a hooker. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He has actually apparently put his hand up this year to say he wants to spend the season at fullback as well. So okay. Aaron Cruden's main competition is going to be a young guy called Tian Falcon, who's coming mm. off a couple of big injuries as well. So surely Cruden gets a, you know a, a very good chance to establish himself there as well as the senior leader. Okay, 
Okay, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good to see as well. And obviously, you know, having two international scrum halves with him as well. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got a lot of talent there to, to I suppose, base that back line off. Uh, I think yeah. One other thing we're pretty interested in, especially in the forwards, um, do you think he sort of, is he more typical to rely on certain positions for, for heavier work rate? Like, say, his locks, things like that. They've, they've lost uh, Brody Retallick, so they're going to have a few sort of mm. fresh guys in there. Does he tend to get those guys running more, tackling more? Um, or or it, what, what do you think that's sort of going to, how's that going to shape the, the team with losing Retallick? And is he going to get them working hard in, in the locks in the back row? I think it is almost the the universal thing amongst all Gatland teams. He likes a really high work rate amongst forwards. Uh, and he also has a bit of a thing for a utility forward, for someone that can cover basically lock and anyone in the back row. So Tyler Ardron does that. Um, yeah. I suppose Luke Jacobson to some degree as well. Um, but he's got a couple of options there. He really likes that kind of player who can just slot in anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think it's he does. He likes every position to have quite a high work rate other than uh tight head really you know tight head he's always been quite happy to just scrummage um yep. but if he can find so you look at um a lot of the the locks he's called in i think the best examples are less someone like alan win jones who is just extraordinary and always will have been no matter who the coach was and um, instead players like Corey hill i mentioned andrew coombs earlier these players that come to mind um jake ball etc these players who actually when they came through of their club were fine you know like jake ball was always a big carrier Corey hill was always a solid line option but luke charter is another great example uh but once gatlin got hold of them they their tackle counts went up like quite a lot um because he's always been very big on fitness and on making sure players are in the best possible condition and able to make as many tackles and make as many carries as possible um so i do think you mentioned the second row i think that will be a big case of it is the handful of second rows they've got you know obviously having lost retallic <laughs> will be forced to work hard. Um, and also, if they're not being Retallick there, it means there isn't someone who's always going to be in the team. Because, yeah, I'm saying that, you know, Gatlin's quite happy to drop a star player, but no one's actually dropping Brody Retallick when it comes to the end of the season. <laughs> um, and not having him in the team might motivate those three or four other players beyond Ardron they've got um, to think, actually, I've got a shot here. Actually, I could be be well in this when we come into that tail end of the season or in the big games um and as i say because it's all built on work rate rather than talent especially in those forwards and yet hooker as well is similar like he likes a hooker with a with a big work rate and you look at the way that so someone like richard hibbard who was always good scrummager you know etc big carrier actually came in to make far more tackles when when he was the first choice wales hooker you know he that was the reason he managed to win that shirt because he started actually developing that work rate as well um and that's very much the thing he works for rather than you know impact in big moments it's actually being there all the time yep it's interesting hearing you you talking about the locks and tyler ardron in particular because mm. he plays a lot of six and eight as well and i think yeah. it, his preferred position is out in the loose but he's been named at lock with uh with the inexperienced players that he has around him there um you you mentioned having that he that uh, Gatlin likes having a utility player that can cover both of those positions, Lucy's and Locke. But there seems to be a trend in a couple of the New Zealand teams at the moment where they're playing players that are probably much more a six than they are a lock, and they're playing them in the second row or just to, second row just to try and uh, I guess keep the speed of the game up a little bit. Do you see that with Warren Gatlin? Is he starting players that you would say are conventional sixes in the locks? 
or is it more that he has that utility to cover that position? It's, yeah, not really. There's been a few cases of the other way around. So like he got, I keep mentioning, I keep talking about Corey Hill. It's weird. Um, <laughs> but he asked Corey Hill to play some games at six for the Dragons. So he had new head cover there. Uh, Alan Wynn played one game for the Ospreys at six last season. I think it's more the other way around, to be honest, uh, which is interesting. Right. I said he likes a player who can comfortably play all of them. Um, so, you know, you're going back to recently, it's been Steve Shingler. Oh, sorry, that's his brother, um, Aaron Shingler. Um, but before that, you had Ryan Jones, you had Jonathan Thomas, you had James King, you've had, you know, any number of them. Um, but yeah, so it's Ardron kind of slots that mold. But there has been, and I think that's quite interesting. Now, you, you say it, there's been a lot of mobile, certainly Southern Hemisphere, sixes and sevens covering in the second row. Whereas typically Gatlin's gone the other way around and he's he hasn't looked to you know he's looked to separate them where he can he hasn't been always constantly doing it but he likes locks to be able to cover six yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's music to Kagi's ears as a massive Tyler Ardron fan any, oh, any I love him. player named at lock that can play in the back row most of his time is going to be massive for fantasy managers so yeah. music to his ears yeah <laughs> exactly right. I think uh, yeah the, that, that's just I think highlights some of the differences between Northern and Southern Hemisphere rugby. I think, uh, mm. you, you know, the line out, I mean, set pace, obviously, in general, in the Northern Hemisphere is uh, much, much more important, I guess. Um, yeah. Whereas down here, particularly in super rugby, it's just about just throw the bloody thing in and let's get moving. Again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, ch- yeah. the Chiefs will take more quick line outs than actual line outs. Um, you yeah, know, like definitely. through the season, <laughs> just be throwing it, you know, 40 meters across to Damien McKenzie. It doesn't matter where he is, just chuck it in. Just, <laughs> Um, get it to him yeah um no yeah it's interesting with tyler where um, we i think we mentioned to you we're hoping to get him on the pod we're still hoping mm-hmm. to get him on the pod at some point but um uh he he was saying he, he had a really good time over on the, the barbarians tour and he was saying um from from day one when he gets back he'll be straight into warren's ear of uh <clears throat> yeah so the number eight jersey is what i'll be wearing yet that's um <laughs> so so we'll have to see how he goes on that I, I don't expect that's that'll happen i think he'll probably be playing lock but um mm-hmm. no fast player for sure yeah, oh no, I love Tyler Ardron. He's genuinely one of my favourite players in the world. I think he's fantastic. I say he plays about fourteen different positions. He's one of these players who's just always doing things. He's always there. He's always involved. He carries well. He's got great hat. Everything. I just, I love him. I think he's brilliant. He's clearly about the nicest man in the world. He's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He had a great. T- he, he was. Uh, he was really good for the Ospreys over there for a couple of years. Yeah. Before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he was. Canada's one good player this World Cup. <laughs> Literally, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Squid, sort of, I suppose, like Eddie Jones, I don't know if it's more of just a Northern Hemisphere thing um, mm. or we can see better analysis of it, but, I mean, England do it a lot and you've you've broken down Wales doing it where off a kickoff, they seem to have these multi-phase set plays which mm. work typically against Australia. They're targeting someone with a kick and, yeah, and, and New Zealand targeting someone with a kick. Um, going for a steal and, and trying to go for a, a drop goal in that first 40 seconds. Yeah. Is something that over his time he, he's done a lot of or is it sort of is just that's a pretty big example or is it something we, we should expect to see in, in Super Rugby with Gallant? It's something that's actually off kickoffs fairly new, I think, over this World Cup cycle. Uh, there's a few cases if you go back with Gallant in particular, just to, you know, to keep focusing on him, um, in which he's clearly called a move to be played off the first line out or the first scrum, you know, as like, this will set the tone. Uh, I suppose the most famous example was the, uh, the f- a few years ago against the All Blacks when Wales put 15 men into the line out and mauled it over from there. Um, 
from the first time they got into the opposition half. <laughs> so there were three cases in the first half of where it was going for the corner from really kickable penalties and twice Priestler mistouched, missed, uh, mistouched, which meant that we didn't get that line out until the second half. Um, so there's a few things like that. You know, I don't, that, that's just a sort of a, the, the most visual, memorable example. Uh, there's quite a lot of that, but less straight off the kickoff. And I'd be interested if that happens and that continues into a, especially a club season, because it is harder to do a full week's analysis on a club side because, you know, you're playing 14 others over the course of a season in the way you can quite easily do it during a Six Nations or a World Cup or a rugby championship because you know there's only so many teams. And especially if you're an international coach, you've got nothing else to be doing other than analysing the other five teams in there over the course of that year, really. You know, that is a large part of your job unless you're Michael Checker. Um <laughs> In which case, you just don't care, apparently. Um, but yeah, I actually, I this is a tangent. I, on checker, did anyone else think he was joking when he said they didn't analyze? It's like, oh well, he's gonna he's gonna come out and analyze uh, the finals really, really well, and he's got some stuff up his sleeve. And then he turns up, and he's just clearly not thought about anything different other than himself. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I first few times he said it, I thought he was joking. And then it became clear, like, oh, he's there's something there. Like, he's clearly he's not doing the level of analysis. Even if he's doing some, it's not a focus for him, I guess. Apparently, they had apparently they had three full time analysts on on staff. I I heard from the Wallabies, so they must be doing something. Matt Tamua came out late in the pool stages and said that they were holding a lot back for the finals. But I mean, they never did any of it, so (laughs) they held on a little bit too long. I don't know what they were expecting. (laughs) Give it to Corey Abiti. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the game plan I think, I, was, we're breaking off, but give it to Falau for a long period of time. Yeah. So he lost that one. I actually, I interviewed Dave Roney last week for a Pro 14 thing, and I made a point of sneaking a question in about how much analysis he does, and apparently it's quite a lot, so that's reassuring. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a good thing. He, he wanted to get it down on paper really early on in his campaign. Just um, lots of analysis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, great. All I right. will watch the Six Nations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll watch other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's very good. Um, yeah, all right. Well, look, the, the I guess the next next thing to talk about, thanks, that's very insightful on Warren. I think that was um, that's certainly what we were looking for was, yeah, I guess what to expect with him coming down. Um, he, mm. he has been up in the Northern Hemisphere for quite a while. Um, and speaking of people coming down from the Northern Hemisphere, um, this is a player that I think a lot of fantasy managers won't know much about. Um, uh, and he is signed up with the Auckland Blues. It's uh, youngster Joe March- Marchant. Um, oh, yeah. So um, we're, we're kind of really interested by, by that move. Um, and so, look, just for context, yeah, Marchant is he's 23. He's already got three caps for England. Uh, he's got 55 for the Harlequins, 22 tries. So he's uh, he's he's been getting into his rugby from a very uh, very early age, and he's been an absolutely sensational player. If you if you watch his highlights, some of the tries are pretty insane. Um, but uh, look, I mean, he's he's a, he's an out and out 13. He's played all of his time at outside centre, um, and we're we're particularly interested in in his signing because um, I guess it coincides with uh, with Rico Yuani, um, who has. <laughs> Made, made his intentions very clear that he will be playing 13 uh, or that he wants to play 13. Um, yeah. Uh, and they've listed, you know, the squad release, they've listed him at centre. Um, so we, 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 we're interesting. We're, yeah, we're confused by it. So, I mean, I guess 
I guess if, if you were going to pick one of them to uh, to move to inside center, you'd you'd probably pick Rico before you'd pick uh, pick Joe, just from from what I've watched. But um, just because mm. he's a bigger body, but um, yeah, I mean Joe looks like he could play almost any. To me, he looks like he could play on the wing. He looks like he'd probably play fullback. Yeah. But um, uh, I yeah. actually I oh, sorry no go on. No, I was going to say it's just uh, yeah, it's an interesting time in his career as well. I guess at twenty three, just yeah. some momentum to come down to New Zealand. So um, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I actually I was just gonna say I actually know someone who played age grade rugby with him as right. he played ten at an early age. Um yeah, and this guy played in the centre. You know, his big boast is I got picked over Joe Marchant in the centre. Um <laughs> uh, no, uh, Nelson thinks he was better than Michael Hooper back in the day. Never said it, mate. Really? <laughs> oh, please, Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well he, he's being very quiet now, so we'll move on. <laughs> okay. Um but yeah, as you say, he's played most of his rugby for Quinns at 13. Uh, he has played a bit of 12 from what I've seen, so he could move there. Um, but he, I think it's a really interesting thing seeing him go to Super Rugby. And I think we could be seeing more players doing this, more players who aren't quite, you know, who are in or about the starting 15 in the Premiership or the Pro 14 or even possibly in France, um, starting to move to Super Rugby and try it for a season. Um, I'd be surprised if he stays more than he's just under the one year deal, hasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd yep. be surprised if he stays any more than that. But I, I think this could be the start of something. I could. I think this could be the start of more young players doing it. You know, because we saw the odd Andy Good or James Haskell going as a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, a day out really, a bit of a trip. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess he's in that. He's in that right stage of his career, right? Like uh, mm. the top players over in the Northern Hemisphere aren't going to get paid enough to come down, whereas this is his opportunity to develop, make a name for himself and come back and actually push into a starting side in an international team. So it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is it. He, would, he would definitely develop as a player for playing the different style of rugby that happens in Super Rugby. He will be a better player for coming back and just for, you know, even if it wasn't for the fact that I think it will suit the way he plays, it will suit the way he likes to play with the ball in hand. Regardless, just playing a very different brand and a different culture will help him develop and become a different player and become a better rounded player. So, pardon me. Um, no, I think it's a really exciting move and I think he'd actually be one to watch. I can see him quietly being very good, you know. Yeah. And it'd be something I suppose there'll be a lot of eyes on from... When we see the the Sky Sports over here coverage, he will be mentioned a lot. He'll his profile will shoot up suddenly every time the Blues are on. So, yeah. so do you think that he could end up in a twelve jersey from what you've seen of him? I can see it. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I've never rated Yuani as a thirteen. Um, I've always felt <laughs> he was. No one has. Never, no, no, <laughs> he's never really worked. Um, so it may be that he ends up shuffling back to. Thirteen. Um, and I'm not sure who what other centre they've got actually at the moment. They um, use TJ yeah. Fiani. Oh, okay. He, okay. He, cap- he captains the uh, the Auckland side in the Mitre Ten Cup, so he's mm. he's a, a favourite of their. Am I getting this mixed up? No, I'm not. No, no, no that's him. Yeah, he's yeah. he's not particularly good, and uh, you wouldn't <laughs> pick him in a fantasy team. But um, he's no, he's like a he's he's very much a leadership figure, and I guess a, yeah. a very safe kind of inside centre. Just makes his tackles. Um, Doesn't set the world. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, okay. No, well, look, yeah, that's very interesting. That's um, that's what I thought just from quickly looking at him. And I think you're spot on. I think 
uh, is going to be licking his lips with that, you know, fast, fast running, um, broken yeah. style of rugby. So can really get amongst that. Another yeah. Another guy that's going to be uh, coming down from the Northern Hemisphere is a guy we, we know a bit better in Australia for a long time. And I mean, it would have been nice to see him play some rugby union in Australia before he went overseas. But that's uh, Ben Teo and he, he's moved to the. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 32 year old, I suppose we think he sort of plays more like a, a Rennie Ranger. Um, oh, no, no, I mean, like move, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nelson's yeah. <laughs> um, just reading through the notes. No, we're saying. It's more of like one of those payday holidays, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like a – he's 32 years old. It's kind of like a yeah. Rennie Ranger went over to the Sunwolves last year. And so it sounds like he <clears> kind <throat> of wants to get the best of both worlds. Probably He's probably playing for a Japanese top league club in the, in the off-season. Millions. And, um, and yeah. he's like, I'd love to actually play some super rugby at some point as well and get to travel you know, back home, see my friends in New Zealand, see them over in Australia. <laughs> like, it sounds like yeah. – like, Yeah. That – that's sort of how it feels to me as well a bit. That's sort of how the last few years have felt, really, uh, with Benteo. Um, I mean, there was talk of him signing for the Wolfpack as well, wasn't there, in Toronto, yeah. going to the... Yeah. Um, there's talk of everyone signing for the Wolfpack. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, they wanted Marnie to Lange as well. And, you know, yeah, exactly. they, I don't know how they had any money left after signing Sonny Bill, but there we go. Um isn't there an article well, that they're not paying their staff and things like that? So I don't like. I, don't I, know. I was going to say I don't. I don't think there is any money left. I think that they're going broke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no wonder they couldn't get hold of Benteo. Because um, yeah, because yeah, he basically didn't play for Worcester. Um, he played a, some, I think something like thirty games in three seasons for them. So, frankly, if the Sunwolves can get him on the pitch, it'll be a bonus. Because um, he went along, he was sort of he was Worcester's highest-paid player by some way. And there was a moment where he came out when he was in the England team, and he was sort of he was on the bench for England, and he was you know coming on. He made a he scored a try against France, um, I think twenty seventeen. And then like a month later, when he went back to Worcester, he said, "Well, I'm the only good player in this team, so no wonder at the bottom of the Premiership." It's like, well, you, you're not playing, and you're not playing that well when you have played. But you know, um, there we go. Uh, so yeah, I he seems to me like the kind of character who will just laze through it, who will just be there for a bit of a jolly, and he'll have a perfectly nice time in Japan. You know, he'll it's... probably really enjoy the sushi and so on. And as I say, he gets to pop back to Australia, pop back home a few times a year. Um, I would be surprised if you'd get much return after putting him in a fancy team. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, to... To be honest, the Sunwolves win one or two games a year, so generally none of their players are performing that well. Uh, and realistically, you can't think he's going to make his name any bigger from playing for the Sunwolves for a year, consistently getting beaten. And the next year, the club's not going to exist. So yeah. he's, uh, he's clearly not planning some long-term successful stint over with the club either. No, 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 I'd be... I'd say well, He hasn't got the option to stick around, but even then, you know... Um... Yeah, no, I I wouldn't be particularly optimistic about how that move's going to... I know, I think he's going to have a lovely time, but that's about all you can probably <laughs> say for it. Yeah, we, we probably shouldn't be comparing uh, Joe Marchant and uh, Ben Teo. Um, they're the two, the two moves into Super Rugby, I guess. <laughs> Very yeah. different. Um, no, I was going to say, it was a, uh, it was a good point as well you are raising about um, possibly seeing more of uh, players you know, coming the other way, coming from the Northern Hemisphere down to the Southern Hemisphere, mm. um, except... I mean, just in, in doing a little bit of research about, about Joe com, uh, coming down here, 
I remember reading somewhere, it was uh, Rugby Australia, of course, was saying, um, yeah, we're going to phase out any international players coming into a, to Australian rugby teams. I was like, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> just, we're gonna get right. um, yeah, happily enough. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, okay. Rugby Australia leading the, leading the charge with... Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Hmm. We'll have to see how that goes. But uh, yeah, did, so, um, I mean, look, those were most of our questions really about uh, about how we're going for Super Rugby. Um, I, 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 guess, I had... I had one actually, uh, just yeah. just purely because I wasn't sure of the answer. Do you know if any of Gatlin's coaching team, any of his his assistants from Wales, have come across with him? Uh, no, he's going alone. So Rob McBride's now at Leinster, who was the forwards coach. Uh, Rob Howley, who knows, probably still at the bookies. Um, <laughs> there's literally nothing's happened with that. No one knows what's happened with Rob Howley, where he's going, what he's doing. Uh, and then Neil Jenkins, who was the skills attacking coach is staying with Wales. He's the one player that's carrying over, or one coach rather that's carrying over to the feedback era. Uh, so yeah, there's none of the others are coming. He's got a brand new team coming in. A few of them were there last season. Um, and then there's a couple more coming in. He's bringing in. Well, I mean, Rob Howley's got a lot of scandal around him, but there's only really one assistant role vacant at the moment, isn't there? Surely he's going to be coaching as the assistant for the All Blacks then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> I wonder what odds you get on that. Rob Howley knows for certain. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, good. Thanks a lot. I mean, is there anything else uh, you want to add before we uh, wrap up? Is there anything else you think, any insights that would be great for our managers? <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> um, good question. Just like, give him an I mean, uh, open it, platform. I'm just saying, is there anything else? Because we're yeah. out of questions. Well, I mean, look, first of all, I guess, obviously, obviously, like us, uh, you you love your rugby. So you, you seem yeah. to be watching all of the rugby. But, um, I mean, we, I'll say we don't watch that much Northern Hemisphere rugby. It sounds like, obviously, mm. you watch all of that. But it sounds like you watch a fair deal of Super Rugby as well. I watch a fair amount, yeah. I try to. I didn't get to see as much as I would have liked last season. Um, partly just because you know, it overlaps with the Six Nations. And yeah. in past years, when I haven't been doing... When I haven't been you know, doing rugby nights full-time as a job, um, I've felt... I've been in full rugby mode, and I've kind of gone, well, I'm just going to get up, and I'm going to watch it all. I'm going to watch everything, and be engaged in it. Whereas, actually, last year, I found myself, because I was re-watching each game six times in the week in between, <laughs> I was like, actually, I want some time off from rugby. So I didn't see much of it until the, the very tail end of the season. Um, but I'd like to, I'm actually looking forward to it this year. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I may be sick of it, by the, be sick of rugby by the time we're three weeks into the Six Nations. Um, but, you know, I, I'm... I'm quite excited and I'm particularly looking forward to seeing the Chiefs because I yeah. don't think I can now not support a Warren Gatlin team, especially with Tyler Arge on it. <laughs> yeah. Mate, it's, you've picked a very exciting team to back, by the way. Mm. Yeah. So that, that probably brings us to, to a good question, mate. What, what's up for you this year? What are you doing with rugby? Um, other, than, other than, of course, all your Squidge Rugby channels. Yeah, I'm trying to continue with that. I've got a couple of new bits that I... Um, and new ideas for different types of video I want to try and do and try and get going just to sort of vary it a bit for me. Um, I've also had, I've been, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it actually. Um, but okay. I, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> um, I may be doing a bit for, or a couple of bits for, I'm just going to, yeah, BBC Wales. Um, I might be doing a couple of bits for BBC it's, Wales over the, um, end of this brilliant. year. Um, brilliant. so that's quite exciting. Um, and then potentially next year as well, seeing how things go going forward. So that's quite exciting if they're going to 
you know, to to be doing things that aren't just on YouTube. So that's cool. Yeah, Absolutely, man. Well, good luck. It's it's awesome, you're, mate. You're a trailblazer in in carving out this uh, this career. You know, I think we've often thought of um, we'd love to make uh, yeah, just more more videos. I guess analyzing content mm. or even you know, I, I just wanted to make lots of really good like hit compilations or like you know like, <laughs> like really yeah. compilation things, but. I mean, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. So, look, the I think it's uh, you know people can't necessarily appreciate the the skill and time it takes to to create such quality videos that you do. So, um, no, it's awesome, and I'm glad we're really glad it's paying off. And you know, I've been getting to interview coaches like David Rennie and things like that. That's just sounds awesome. So we're super jealous, but also super um, super inspired, and I hope it just keeps growing. Oh, cheers, thank you. No, I I really appreciate that. Cheers. It sounds like your uh, you know your passion is really carving out this. Um, yeah, this kind of rugby commentary, um, I guess, nation. Uh, I mean, ours is our, our mission is we're trying to build this fantasy rugby platform because we really think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess we think fantasy rugby can be as big, uh, if not bigger, than fantasy sports in in the states. Um, you know, mm. we've been playing it ourselves for a couple of years, and um, oh, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's, it it adds a whole new level to to watching a game when you have players that no one else can have, and they're going head to head with other teams and. Like a man like yourself with your analysis, if you ever had the time, which it doesn't sound like you do, <laughs> you'd you'd be perfectly perfectly assessing this sort of stuff. So. <laughs> I did like the World Cup just gone. Um, I put Katara Mashashima as the captain of my fantasy team oh, nice. um, yeah, cool. at the start Good of it, kick. and it was when he scored a hat trick in that first game, and no one else had heard of him. I felt so <laughs> stuck. It was amazing. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, look, when when we go massive and uh, and get bought out by ESPN, we'll have to get you in. As, uh, we'll, I don't know if we'll be able to afford you, but we'll have to see if we can get you in. Honest, <laughs> you know, like or something like that. But um, look, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I think look, we've racked up what about forty five minutes now. Uh, I think we were promising uh, Squidgy about uh, I don't know half an hour, but um, under seven. Sorry, that's yeah. what we said. No, um, but uh, no, thanks very much for joining us. Um, I guess in in parting, uh, we did kind of just. Uh, somehow squirrel around and avoid talking about uh, Wales, uh, you know, beating Australia in the, in the World Cup. <laughs> Definitely uh, appreciate that one. I was going to bring that up too. <laughs> think, but but uh, no, I was going to say, I had, I had to tell you, I'm, I'm not sure if you heard it or saw it somewhere on social media, but one of my favourite things over at the World Cup was um, there was a Welsh fan just describing the, describing the Welsh team and what he said was he said, look, our team may be dog shit, but try getting us off your shoe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Was that another guy saying, "Oh, the game plan's just to um to to bore the other team to death"? <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that that was brilliant. That was um, slightly how I felt, uh, but also yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was it, though. Like I've spent so many years watching Wales play well and play good rugby, and so well, good rugby for a one Gatland team, you know, um, and lose, and like so, I didn't care that we were playing the dullest rugby. <laughs> That we were just we were not interesting. We scored no tries. I mean, you you saw it like the the drop goals repeatedly going for. I didn't care because finally I was watching a Wales team that actually knew how to win, especially against Australia. You know, true, I still yeah. get like PTSD every time Kurtley Beale touches the ball. So <laughs> it's just it's, it's nice to see. So, so was it the lock that got dumped and it's never sent a Wales jersey again after it as well? Oh, Lou Reed, yeah. <laughs> No, that's it. I, I think, yeah, like you said, I, I, until we, we were, I was at the game, until the last minute of the game, I, I just assumed we were going to win. I was like, oh, it's fine. We'll come back somehow. Don't worry about it. Until uh, literally the time ran out, I was like, oh, well, we didn't win. I don't know. <laughs> really confusing. <laughs> I was there. I had, a, I had quite a friendly elderly Japanese man next to me 
um, who could see how clearly anxious I was about the fact that, again, I felt we can't possibly win this. This can't happen. This doesn't happen. We hadn't. It was a fluke last year. It can't happen again. Uh, and he kept turning to me going like, like, you know, don't worry, like eight points. And it, like, four points. And then it came down to being one point in it. And he went one point. I was like, I know. I'm very aware of how close this is. Then so, like, Patrick knocked over that penalty and he got four points. And like, that's okay. That's okay. You can survive that. And he had very limited English, but he was trying to reassure me every time there was a score, which is appreciated. Oh, that's great. So, so that, that's good that you, you got over to the World Cup. And I mean, yeah. how did that World Cup, though? That was absolutely sensational. Really? Yeah. What do you make of it? Were you on the other end? Look, we, we, we all went there and we, we spent a good amount yeah. of time there. And, I mean, we were pretty realistic, I think, of Australia. We, we all think that Australia has a crack when it comes to a World Cup. But, yeah. I mean, we won't. I mean, we knew what Australia has been doing and how they've been playing. So, I mean... Yeah. Out that second half against Wales showed something that they could do, but they yeah. just this ability to put it in for eighty minutes. And, um, I think, yeah, I think the general consensus for the for all the Australian fans was Australia has a good game in them, but probably mm. not three to get through a yeah. final series. So we That's were just it, hoping yeah. that they could knock someone over, and we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was. I was really hoping that game against England in the quarters. Oh, I felt like you had one big game. Like if you could have knocked England over, that, and I think you're. A good enough team to, as you say, just I couldn't see you winning a World Cup. But no. if you'd say drawn Japan in the the quarters, you could have beaten them. Then maybe you know had that big game in the semi final, and it could have somehow put you in a final. Um, that's, that's what we're uh, praying for. Yeah, I think going in playing England, that was probably the, and I am the biggest optimist of, of everyone. Yeah. But I think going into that game was the least optimistic I've ever been uh, coming into a game. Yeah, at least. <laughs> At least we made it out of the pool, unlike England <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. But, um... I, I think the last thing I've, I've got to say is I've, I've been reading Eddie Jones' book, which I think has only okay. been recently released, and he said one of the worst ideas he ever had was to go from coaching internationally to going back to Super Rugby as a coach. So okay. he's hoping that Warren Gatlin doesn't say the same thing. <laughs> oh, well, Eddie loves making comments like that. What did he say? What did he say to the Welsh team? Um, I think Warren was saying, "Oh, they've played their final." Like, yeah. and then Eddie went, yeah. "Oh yeah, well, enjoy the enjoy the run around <laughs> <Yeah>. final." <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, well, I don't know what there is to say to that. Yeah, that's. A, I'm sure that'll be blown up in the media. That's probably already in the UK media. Like, just, yeah, probably uh, it was a bit remarks for Warren. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I kind of I miss the days in which Eddie Jones was Japan coach, and so we only heard about him once a year. <laughs> because it's just like it's the every rugby story in the media over here is Eddie Jones has said something stupid. Eddie Jones <laughs> said something deliberately controversial. He's ev- you can't escape him. I like I I wouldn't mind running away to Australia even if it is on fire to just get away from <laughs> Eddie Jones comments sometimes. Oh mate, I, I, over here after the success we've had with Checker, we're praying for some Eddie Jones at the moment. To be <laughs> Fair enough. No, I, 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 I see how confused the the English rugby journos would have been though, because um, obviously the the English media is harsher on uh, most sporting figures and coaches than yeah. than most in the world. But uh, but Eddie just loves it. He'd be like, "Bring yeah. all of it at me. Come at me with everything, because I I'll eat this up." <laughs> and they would have just been, <laughs> we, "We can't take this guy down. I don't, I don't know what's happening here." It's like, <laughs> but, uh, and he does as well. Like he is, he he's constant, and he will. He's clearly loving it. And there's a lot of things he just says as a laugh, like he's amusing himself. 
that people then take seriously and bring up three years later. Like, as you say, there's, there's most of the rugby media here are are used to coaches meaning what they say. They're not used to Eddie Jones. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think, mate, we have picked your brains. We've kept you on here for a long time. <laughs> um, look, I mean, it, on, on our behalf, it would be awesome to stay in touch, especially if you do get a chance to, to watch some of the Super Rugby throughout this season um, and, and pick your brain at some point if, if you have the chance and you have the time. Um, because, it makes, this, these insights are stuff that are, are really valuable to, to our managers. So thank you very much for it. No, cheers. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and thanks. thanks for, it's been uh, awesome. Thanks. Thanks right, for being cheers. with us with our technical difficulties as well. But, um, you know, uh, uh, we got there eventually. So, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. No, well, thanks very much, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, we'll stay in touch and hope to talk soon. All right. Likewise. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Thanks, thanks very much, Squid. Cheers, cheers. Mate.